Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. You guys sleep okay? No. <laughs> I heard some yeses, some yeses. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, well, hopefully, hope you guys can, maybe the highlight today can be a nap. I don't know. But, uh, but anyway, uh, uh, guys, it was such a good time just to start out uh, camp with you guys, and I'm super excited about just continuing to go. Last night, you guys, I, uh, I left us with, hey, the decision you need to make first and foremost is whether you even want to be part of this world or not part of this world to begin with. We can talk about like what it looks like to not be of this world, but what about making the decision just to begin with, do you even want to not be part of this world. And I ended it with like, like, is it even worth it? Remember I said that? Like, is it even worth it? It's hard. It's, it's not comfortable. It's not popular. It's different. It, is it even worth it? And that's what I want to talk to you guys about this morning. Because some of us maybe in this room, like me for a long time, I didn't know that it was even a problem of being part of the world. It was just, hey, this is what everybody does. This is how everybody lives. It's what's wrong with this? What's wrong with the world? Like, what's really wrong with it? And so I thought I would just kind of just say what God's word says about it. And it really started making me think, well, maybe things are worse than I thought that they were. And so I just want to just give you some verses, but I want you to turn to John chapter 8. That's where we're going to end up is, is John chapter 8. But I'm going to give you a bunch of uh, passages. If, you, if you're taking notes, you can write these other verses down as we're going through it. And we're going to end up at John chapter 8. Verse 31, John chapter 8, verse 31. So you get your Bible, just turn there. And then in the meantime, listen to some of these things that God says about the world and the problem with the world. First John, and we'll just have the verses right up here. First John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. It says, do not, it says, do not love the world or anything in the world. Remember, we talked about the world. It's the culture around us. It's how the people live. It's how life is lived around us. He says, so don't love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, really when you talk about the world, it is living for myself. Ultimately, it's what is good for me. Hey, that's what I'm thinking about is what do I need in life? What's good for me? He says all of that stuff, it doesn't come from the Father, but from the world. And then it says this, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of, of God lives forever. So whoever's not of the world is the one who lives forever. What is it kind of implying? The person who's living as, as part of the world doesn't live forever. It, there's some, it ends. There's a dead end at the end of the road. But look at me before that. If I love the world, what else does it mean? That the love of God isn't with me. There's, if I'm connected to the world, I'm not connected to God. Now, is that a big problem? Let's just keep looking at it. If I turn uh, right before that to James chapter 4, verse 4, look at this verse. James writes, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Now, what does he mean by that? He just says what he means by that. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes what? An enemy of God. Not only is like the, the, I've got a problem, I'm not connected to God, but I'm actually going at odds with God. I'm at war with God. If I decide, okay, I'm part of the world, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to live like the world lives. I'm an, I'm an enemy of God. Like, why is that? 
What? That, that's how bad it is. Well, is it a big deal to be an enemy of God? Now, initially I go, well, if he really is God, and he's the God of the universe, all powerful, all great, all the, it's probably a problem that I'm an enemy of God because I'm a friend of the world. So then I looked at this. I just kept going. Philippians chapter 3, verse 18 through, through 20. And, it, and this is Paul talking to Christians, but he's talking to Christians. He's talking to people who are not of the world about people who are of the world. And he says this, For, as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears. Like Paul's saying, this follower of Jesus is saying, I'm crying. Like, I'm so sad about people who are still part of the world. I'm so sad about it. He says, I'm telling you this even with tears. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. See, the enemies of God, the enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, like worldly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there. And the Lord Jesus said, that's what he says at the end of that verse. So he says, hey, I, I'm saying there's something wrong because they're enemies of the cross. They don't, they don't accept what Jesus did on the cross. It doesn't even mean anything to them what Jesus did on the cross. And he says, and they're, they're still connected to the earth. And he goes, man, I'm really sad about this. He says, and, it, and did you catch it in verse, in verse 19? Their destiny is what? Destruction. Who's going to win the war between me and God? God. The, their, their destiny is destruction. Then I looked at Ephesians chapter 2. Verses one and two. And it says this, as for you, and he talks about, again, to, to people who are not of the world, and he's saying, remember when you were of the world. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit now at work to those who are disobedient. He says, man, when you, were, when you were a part of the world, you were also under a rulership. You had a king, you just didn't know it, and your king was Satan. And now you have a new king, and your, your, king, your king is God. That's when Jesus says, hey, you need to go from the kingdom of this world to the kingdom of God. And that's, he just says, hey, there's a difference here. But when you were of the world, so somebody who's of the world, what are they really under? Sin and death. Now, this is when he starts saying the problem. Like, why am I enemies of God? What's so wrong? Why is being friends with the world, you know, enemies of God? Because being friends with the world or being like the world or being still, still with the world is being under sin and being under Satan. And you're, you're going to be destroyed because all there is, all there is is death. He even talks about we were all under the wrath of God. And I looked at one more because I think, what in the world caused all of this? Why, why is it like this? In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says this. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. Let's look at that again. Therefore, justice, what happened, what happened a long time ago? Sin entered into the world, right? 
There was a time when the world wasn't a bad thing. So therefore, so sin, there was a time when sin wasn't in the world, but sin entered into the world, into the world it says, through one man. You guys know who that was? No, that's not a man. <laughs> through one man, which was? I don't know you want to blame me. That's pretty good. Um, but so if through Adam, through Adam, when Adam sinned, death and sin entered into the world, polluted, just destroyed everything. So the world's broken. The, the way that people think, the way that our world, our culture is, it's broken. It's under sin. And then he says, hey, this isn't just, nobody's excluded from this because how many of us have sinned? All of us have. Every single one of us, are, we have a huge problem. Now go to John chapter 8. And we'll get there in a second. You guys, when I've learned, if you're writing notes, and if you, if you are, write this down. The problem with sin, and I'm going to give you four things. So one, two, three, four. This is the biggest thing about why being of the world is so hopeless. Honestly, it's, been, it's hopeless. And it's because anybody connected to the world, anybody still of the world, has a problem with sin. And what's the problem? Number one, we just read it. Write this down. Everyone has sinned. That's a problem. Everyone has sinned. Everyone. Now, when I say that to somebody, somebody, and when I'm saying it to you, does that shock you? Are you shocked about that? Are you kidding? Everyone has sinned. I, didn't, I don't know if that's really true. I have not found people that think that that's not true, especially when you, when you understand what sin is, because you go, well, what's sin? It's thinking, doing, saying anything different, different than how God wants you to say, do, or think. How many of you have sinned? I have. I, there's times in my life where I don't say, do, or think the way that God would tell me to say, do, or think. We've all sinned. That is not the issue. The issue is the second one for a lot of people. And this is a truth that I did not believe for a while. It's hard to believe, but this is it. This is the truth. Number two, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. If you're taking notes, write that down. If you're not taking notes, take the note in your head right now. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Now, I'm going to tell you that when I heard this, I'm not sure I really believed it. In fact, this is where it says in John chapter 8, this is where it says, like, PJ, where are you getting this? Everybody who sins is a slave of sin? That's weird. Look at this. In verse 31, Jesus is actually talking to people, and he's encouraging them, hey, will you follow me? And he's telling them why they should. And he says this in verse 31, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, so they're kind of believing, they're, maybe they're believing stuff about him. You know, they're like, hey, I, we think maybe you're right. And he says, hey, this is how important it is. He says, if, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Like if you really are following me, you're gonna, it's going to show up. And he says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And he's talking about freedom from slavery. That's what he's talking about. They knew that that's what he was talking about because the Jews, when they heard that, they went, what? Because look what they said in verse 33. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been what? 
slaves to anyone. How can you say that we should be set free? You know what they're saying? They're going, why are you telling us that we have to follow you? We have to, you know, trust you and believe in you to set us free. We don't need to be set free. We're already free. That's how a lot of people of the world believe that they are. In fact, some people, in fact, a lot of people in the world of the world, when they look at Christians, they would look at us as the ones that are under bondage. They're the ones that are free. In fact, that's why a lot of people won't follow Jesus. They don't want to have somebody telling them what to do. Does that make sense? I want to decide for myself. I want to stay free. So I'm just going to keep living my life the way I want to live it. It makes sense to me. That's what I was thinking. So when I read this, I actually was thinking the same thing. What are you talking about? And they were saying they were descendants of Abraham's, like because they were these chosen people of God, they've never been slaves of anybody. But I was just going, I'm not a slave. What do I live? I live in the United States, the home of the free. I mean, that's, that's, we're independent. We're, we make our own decisions. And then he says this, Jesus replied, look at this in 34. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you. Now we're going to stop right there. Maybe it says truly, truly, or Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Jesus every once in a while would say that phrase. Look, I'm telling you the truth. Look, truly, I'm telling you this. Now, at first, when I was a kid, I thought, are all the other times that he doesn't say that, is he lying? No. He's always telling the truth. So why does he have to say that right now? Jesus always started something by saying, I tell you the truth, or this is truly, truly, you know, whatever. He says that because he knows that what he's about to say is going to be really hard to believe. That's why he says it. Anytime he says, truly, truly, I tell you the truth, he's about to say something that the people he's talking to, he knows they're going to go, no way. No way. It's like when something happens in your life, and you're talking to your friends, and you actually say something like this. Hey, believe me, this is really the truth. Does that mean that every single time, other time you talk, it's a lie? No, because you know that what you're about to say, the craziest thing happened to me, but I'm telling you the truth. Da -da 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 -da. Does that make sense? It's because it's a crazy thing. You know it's going to be really hard for the other person to believe you. Jesus says, does the same thing. He says, truly, very truly, I tell you. Here's the big thing. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Is that hard to believe? Really? Now, I just saw somebody shaking their head no, which is great. But I'm telling you, it, for most people, is that easy to believe? Is that, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, everybody who sins is a slave of sin. No way. No way is that true. Now, it's true for some people, like addicts, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like people that are alcoholics or something like that, their sin or that sin is controlling them, right? But when I decide to sin, when you decide to sin, who's deciding to sin? I mean, I'm, I, I want this. I'm gonna do, I know it's sin. I'm going to choose to do this. And there's other times where I'm not going to do it. I won't do it, whatever else. But I'm deciding, and I, the reason why I'm sinning is because I like it. The reason why I'm sinning is because it's my choice. I'm doing, so come on, every single time, so every, like every sin, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Everyone. And so I would, I would, so in my mind, you guys, I'm just telling you something that went in my head. I went, Jesus, I don't know if I believe that. And then it was like, this has to happen. And this happens a lot to me. Jesus says one thing. 
I don't, I think something else, which means one of us is wrong. And you guys, I got to tell you, so far, I have found out, this is going to shock you. I'm the one that's wrong. Does that shock? No, it doesn't shock any of you guys. Jesus goes, well, one of us is right, PJ, and one of us is wrong. You're right? Or the God of the universe who created you, who knows everything and everyone is right. So that hit me, but I, go, I still went, but God, how is that right? Can you help me understand how that is true? And two things came to me, you guys, and one of them is, I think, something incredible. That, that happens a lot, and I just miss it. Have you ever done something, said something, been thinking about something, and afterwards you actually thought or maybe even said, oh, man, I didn't mean to do that? You ever done that? You've done something, and you're like, oh, man, I did not mean to do that. I did not mean to do that. If you didn't mean to do that, then why did you do it? Maybe you're not as in control as you think you are. That's kind of what hit my, in my head. It's like God was saying, hey, PJ, you remember those times you say that? And I go, yeah. He goes, well, maybe actually sin as your master is kind of showing you its hand. It's kind of like, because as a master, I'm thinking of sin as like a person now. I know sin isn't a person, but it enslaves me, so I'm just thinking of it as a master. And that master who's controlling me and making me think that he's not, it's not controlling me, maybe in those moments kind of shows, I'm really the one that's in control. Not you. Ultimately, you're not as in control as you think you are. If you ever have done something, said something, thought about stuff that you're going, what am I doing? That hit me. And then something else came to my mind. I think God brought this to my mind. It's when I was a kid. And I remember this time when my, my, me and my brother, I told you my, my brother Sam, who's like a year and a half older than me, we, would, we lived in the country in Northern California, and uh, there was a creek down the road from our house, kind of a pond. And it had what we call bluegill. I don't know if you guys, it's perch, whatever. You know, those little fish that are flat, you know, and, you know, they're all over the place and you kind of fish, whatever. Yeah, so you fish, fish for it. And, and so they had all this bluegill in, the, in, this, in this, uh, this, this uh, pond kind of down from our house. And we would always go down and we would go fishing from the bridge over this, on this road. And um, every once in a while, and we're just kids, we didn't have any, we were poor. We didn't have any, like, a bunch of fishing gear or anything like that. We just had a regular pole and some hooks, and that's all we had. And some, you know, we'd catch grasshoppers or put cheese on it or whatever and just fish. And uh, so every once in a while, a fish would, uh, when we catch it, we would just throw them back in and try to catch them again and, and stuff. But every once in a while, a, f a fish would swallow the hook. And I don't know if you ever had that happen if, you're, if you fish. But when I was a kid, I, they have tools and stuff that can help that stuff. But we didn't have anything. We just went, what are we going to do? And basically, there was two things that kind of were what we saw we could do, which was one, we would try to take the hook out. And every time we would try to take that hook out, there was a lot more than just the hook that came out, like all the guts and stuff. And, we, oh, like, oh. and then we'd put the fish back and go, okay, good luck. You know, like, the fish is going to die because it swallowed the hook. Or we could, see, I'm so, see, that just woke you up, good. Okay, so, or, or we would go, I guess we're going to lose this hook. We'd cut it and then put the fish, throw the fish back and try to put another hook on. But two things that we thought about, one was we kept running out of hooks, 
And the other thing was, it really was probably just delaying what was going to happen anyway, because a fish with a hook in its belly probably wasn't good for it either. Does that make sense? Like, we didn't know what to do. So my, my brother, Sam, came up with this thing. He invented this game called Flying Fish. Yeah. So, uh which I kind of enjoyed because he was older than me and he would beat up on me, but he would get his frustrations out on these fish. And so I was like, okay, good. At least you're beating up on the fish and not beating up on me. But this is what the game was. He would take the line. He would go, he was actually excited when a fish would swallow a hook because you can't get that hook out. It won't come out very easy. So he would put the fish on the bridge, on the, on the road, and he would give some line. Then he'd lock it up the pole. And then he would say, okay, here we go. And he would start swinging that fish. And he'd go, oh, I'm a fly. And he would do this narrative of the fish. I'm a flying fish. Oh, I'm flying. I'm flying. I'm flying. Oh, no, I'm out of control. I'm out of control. Bam. And then he'd go, oh, take off. Oh, I'm flying again. I'm flying again. I'm flying again. Bam. Oh, take off. Oh, no, I'm losing control. Bam. Bam. Bam! That's what he would do with this fish. Some of you are going, that's the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. And others of you are going, I'm going to give that a try. It's so weird that you guys are all thinking different things. But that's what, and that would, seriously, you guys, he would do that so much. I'm not lying. Hey, I just said I'm not lying. This is the truth. So here it is. Um, but he would do it so much that it would, the fish would just start falling apart. You know, the scales, fins, whatever. Until, until there was no more fish. It was just his hook with the guts. I, that's just what would happen. And then he would do this. He would take it. He would wipe off his hook. He put on some bait, and he would hope that another fish would swallow a hook. That's what he would do. So then me, I would look at my brother, and even though I was thankful that he was getting all of his anger out on the fish, instead of me, the little brother, I was like, man, that's just too cruel. I cannot do that. I, I liked nature. I liked, I was interested. I was actually intrigued. Like, I always wanted to know more about animals and stuff and everything. And so when, when I would have a fish swallow the hook, I would get off the bridge, and I would go down to actually the bank of the, of the pond or the, the, the creek, and I would go, okay, I don't know what else to do, but I'm just going to, you know, this is an opportunity. I put a bobber on the, on the um, fish, uh, on, the, on the line, and uh, way up high. So, and then I would let the fish go into the, into the pond, and I would just give it a bunch of line. Because I wanted to know where that fish would go. I wanted to know where the fish lived. Like, would it go over to across the pond underneath that tree? Like, is that where, like, where it lives or something? Like, maybe that's its home, and that's where its family is or whatever. I, don't, I was just thinking, like, oh, and I would just see where it would go, and I would just follow the bobber. And then after the bobber would, like, I stop for a while or whatever else, I would reel it back in, and then I would... I would, you know, pick up the fish and I'd look at it, you know, and the gills and everything, and look at it, and then I'd put it back in the water, and I would kind of go, I wonder if it'd go back in the same place or if it'd go someplace different, and I would see where it would go, and I was just so intrigued. Where's this fish going? And I kept, re- then I'd reel it back in, look at it, take it out of the water, look at it, you know, you know, shake it, whatever, put it back in. Okay, where are you going to go? And then after a while, this is what happened. It's crazy. After a while, the fish didn't swim out. It took a while, but then I would put it back in the, in the pond, and it wouldn't swim out. So I would lift it up, and I'd shake it. Come on! 
You know, <laughs> go down. And, you know, and then I keep taking it out of the water, shaking it. And so that wasn't very good. So uh, then after a while, it wouldn't be like, it started turning sideways. And it was like, oh, this fish is not good. So I was like, okay, it's done. It's not going anywhere else. It's, you know, dying. So I would take it out and then I would pull out the hook with the guts and it would be dead. And all that time, I thought I was less cruel than my brother. And I was way more cruel than my brother. Imagine you're the fish and you're on my brother's line. And suddenly, you start flying. You don't know why you're flying. You don't know how you're flying. You just know that you're flying. And you're suddenly, it's like, oh my goodness, I'm flying, I'm flying, I'm flying. And then suddenly, bam! What just happened to you? You're dead. And you had a great flight right before you died. But you're dead. All the rest of the time, my brother's just using, just doing something with a dead corpse. That's all he's doing. You know what I did? I made that fish think it was free. That fish on my brother's line, no matter what it thought, it goes, I know I'm not in control because I can't fly. Something else is making me do this. Every, from the very beginning, it knew it was not in control. It knew something else is controlling it. For me, can you imagine? I take it down, like the fish is being caught, and like, oh no, it's, I'm being caught. What, I'm out of the water. What's going on? And then suddenly, I'm back in, I'm back in the water. It must have, maybe it was a dream. I don't know. But, but I'm back, and I swim home. And then suddenly, what's going on? I'm being pulled out. What's going on? What's going on? And then suddenly, wait, I'm back in again. What, I don't know what's going on. What? Until finally, slowly, you don't even, I don't even know that I'm dying. It's just a slow death. And then I realized, it, God, brought, God brought that back in my head and then said, PJ, you, the fisherman, is sin. And the fish, that's, that's you, that's a person. And there are people like addicts, like people that are addicted to, you know, uh, some kind of drugs or alcohol, whatever it is. And you're, you know what? They know, and we look at them and we're so sad for them. But you know what? At least they know they're not in control. They know something's happening and they know it's leading to death. They see it. And sin does treat some people like my brother treated the fish. They just know. But most of the time, sin is so deceitful, so deceitful that it is in control of you and slowly killing you and you don't even know it and you actually think you're free, but you're really not. I can give line to that fish and just as what sin does, sin gives you line and just says, you're free. No, 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 you're making all the decisions in your life. Don't worry about it. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to God. Don't listen to Jesus. You're, you're totally okay. But anytime it wants you, anytime that sin wants you, what does it do? It reels you in. How many times have you gone to something and you're sinning 
in a certain way, some, something you're saying, doing, thinking, something, whatever it is, and you're like, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. Okay, this is it. And then suddenly, sometime later, I don't know if it's hours later, I don't know if it's days later, I don't know if it's weeks later, you're doing it again. That thing that you don't want to do anymore. The way you want to, don't want to live anymore. Why is that? You are on a hook that all of us have swallowed. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Everyone. And something inside, way deep down inside your head, right now, I know this, that if you did not believe this before right now, I know, I just know it. There's a voice in your head going, you know that's the truth. As crazy as it sounds, you know that's the truth. We are in trouble. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin, and how many of us have sinned? All of us. So that means we're all slaves of sin. I said there's four things. That's not even the worst of it. The third thing is this. Write this down, number three. So everyone sinned. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Number three is this. Sin, as my master, has one goal. One goal for me, to kill me. That's the goal. And think about this. If that's my master, and I have to do what my master tells me, I swallowed the hook. I cannot get the hook out. I can't do it. I have to do what the master wants me to do. Ultimately, I'm going to do what the master is having me do. And now I know that that master's Ultimate goal for, for me is what? Death. How hopeless is that? See, sin does not want to say, I, I love you and I, I want what's best for you. That's not it. I want to separate you from God. And, and that's what sin does. Sin separates us from a holy God. And if I'm separated from the only one, and that's the only one that can give me life. If I'm separated from the only one who can give me life. If I'm separated from the only one who can give me life, what am I left with? Death. Physical death, spiritual death, death in relationships. You know what sin does? It just brings death. It looks like it brings life. Great bait. But it doesn't. That's not even the worst of it. Everyone sinned. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Sin, as my master is going to give me death. And number four, write this down. There is nothing, underline nothing, capitalize nothing, whatever you want to do, there is nothing I can do about it. Nothing. Just like that fish can do nothing to set itself free once it swallowed the hook. You can't do anything. You think, PJ, why, why, do you, how do you, why would you say that? Like, you can't do anything. I'll tell you why. This is a big problem, you guys. It's a combination. Sin is really powerful, and I'm really weak. In fact, sin is way too powerful for me, and I'm too weak for it. That's bad. 
I am convinced, you guys, that sin is the second most powerful thing in the universe. I'm convinced of that. Who's the most powerful being thing in the universe? God. A lot of people would say the second most powerful thing or being in the universe is who? Satan. I don't think that's true. Let me tell you why, you guys. And I'm not saying Satan isn't a problem. Satan is not, it, it, Satan is a problem. But Satan is not the problem. Did you know there's not one person that goes to hell because of Satan? Satan does not send anyone to hell. Not one person would go to hell and say, oh man, Satan sent me, Satan sent me here. Oh, it's Satan's fault. Oh, Satan did this. Satan no one goes to hell and he's eternally separated from God because of Satan. Because of Satan. People that go to hell go to hell because of one thing. Do you know what it is? Sin. Did you know that even Satan will be separated from God for eternity in punishment for eternity because of what? Sin. I have come to find out that Satan uses sin to accomplish his plan. And I've also found out that sin is using Satan to accomplish its plan. Satan is, used, is, is being used by sin too. And Satan cannot escape the penalty of sin. Satan cannot overpower the sin that he's committed. Satan's a problem, you guys, but Satan's not the problem. Sin's the problem. There's nothing that we can do about our sin. We are completely helpless and hopeless, you guys. We, we are of the world. We're descendants of Adam. You, you, you were born of the world. And you can't do anything about it. Now, I'm going to end this with this, because tonight we're going to actually see, well, then what do we do? But I did say this. I'm convinced that sin is the second most powerful thing in the universe. Who's the most powerful? God. We can't do anything about it. There is one being that can. One. And there's one being that did do something about it. You guys still at John 8? If you are, I'm just going to read the next verse. It says this, Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. And then he says in verse 36, So if the son sets you free you will be free indeed. I can't take the hook out of my stomach. But there is someone who can. And if the Son, Jesus Christ, sets you free, now you're really free. From what? From being a slave of sin. You guys, I want you to think about today, where are you? Are you a slave of sin? Being part of the world is a bigger problem than we thought. So where are you? Do you even want there to be a change?
If you do, we're going to talk about how we can do that tonight. Cool? Let's talk. Let's pray, you guys. God, thanks again for this uh, sobering, really good stuff, but man, really um, serious stuff about sin. Some of us, we don't even think about sin. It's so, it's so common. It's, uh, I've sinned. Everybody, everybody sins. God, just because everybody sins doesn't mean it's not a problem. Maybe it's a bigger problem than we thought. And God, so I pray that we would, you would open our eyes. Maybe like myself, maybe somebody here today is going, really a slave of sin? This is what, this is the path I'm on? I didn't even know it because sin lied to me and sin's deceived me. But God, that this morning will be the first time that some of us would say, wow, I'm opening my eyes. I'm seeing the truth and I'm seeing that there's a problem and I need help. I need to be rescued from slavery to sin. If that's the case, God, prepare us for tonight. In your name, amen.